the Grace Hour, the live international talk radio ministry of Greater Grace Church in Baltimore, Maryland. You can join us on the air today by calling 1-800-338-7060 or 410-483-3700 from outside of the United States. Now, here is our host. Welcome, friends, to this edition of the Grace Hour. We're broadcasting live right here from our studios, once again, at the home of the Greater Grace World Outreach in Baltimore, Maryland. And we'd like to take this opportunity and thank you for tuning in. Hope you'll stay with us for the next half hour during the on-air portion of our broadcast. And then during the second half hour, we'll switch over to our live online portion of the broadcast. So we hope you'll be able to switch over with us and continue to join us for today's full hour of the Grace Hour broadcast. Well, friends, we're talking about the the ministry this week on the Grace Hour, and in particular, those who serve in the ministry, and even more specifically, pastors, servants. That's what they are. Sometimes people refer to them as the leaders, the elders, those that are running the show and steering the ship. But the bottom line is, pastors are here to serve to love the body of Christ and through humility lead the body in the direction of the vision that God has given for that local assembly. So we're talking about some practical aspects in the lives of pastor-servant leaders in our local churches. We've talked earlier in the week about wisdom and decisions, and yesterday we heard from Pastor Jim Morrison about the prepared pastor, the preparation that goes in long before the pastor steps into the pulpit and his communion with God, and uh, again, his preparation before stepping into the pulpit and delivering that message. Well, today we have another special guest joining us in our studio, and we will introduce him to you in just a couple of moments as he'll be discussing how the pastor faces certain, and in particular, some struggles in ministry, and give us a perspective of how important it is for the leaders in the church to operate in grace and not in any other mode. So we'll introduce our guest in just a couple of moments. Quickly, though, friends, the telephone numbers for you to join us are 800-338-7060. That's the toll-free number. Please feel free to dial that number if you're in the continental United States or Canada and locally right here in the Baltimore area. For all of our listeners tuning in on WRBS, 1230 on your AM dial, the number for you, 410-483-3700. For everyone else behind a personal computer, you could email us your thoughts, address them to questions at gracehour.org, or tweet us your questions at the Grace Hour. Well, our special guest, again, joining us in the studio today, Pastor Chris Moore. Pastor Moore is ministering up in the Philadelphia, the greater Philadelphia area, and has a local church in that area, and is also one of the elders here at the Greater Grace World Outreach in Baltimore, Maryland. Pastor Chris Moore, welcome. Thank you, Pastor Love. It's a real honor to be here on the Grace Hour. Uh, Grace Hour is actually how my family found uh, this ministry in 1978. Back then it was called Telephone Time, but it's always a real blessing and privilege to be here on the program and to tune in with all of you today. The subject of leadership and, excuse me, the aspect of leadership that we see modeled in the New Testament, specifically through the life of Jesus Christ, 
our greatest model and hero, we see that in Matthew 20, verse 28, he was a leader, but he was what we can hear often termed servant leader in Christianity today. Jesus Christ was a leader, but he was a servant just the same. The Son of Man in Matthew 20, verse 28, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And we see here that Jesus' foundation as a leader was not a foundation of self-love. We we all love that booklet, Soul Structures, and one of the soul structures by Dr. Stevens uh, is a, stro- a soul structure of self-love. And this can actually be easily a foundation that could slip into a leader or a pastor's life. Jesus Christ here in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 7, is the ultimate example of laying down his life, being obedient, and not only just being obedient to the end of the task, but to the end of his life, where he loses his life in the eternal plan of God. Jesus Christ is really our great role model in service. We see in John 13, verses 1 through 17, that he gives a very practical example. See, Jesus always exemplified what he was teaching. This was not theory for him. Jesus did not teach philosophy. He did not teach intellectualism. Jesus taught a very practical life of faith, trusting in the Father. Jesus here in these verses can be showing us four things. That number one in verse one, Jesus' basic motivation was love for his disciples, for his followers. We notice that verse in verse 1 that it says that he loved his own to the end. Now, that's an amazing verse, and we could probably spend hours just on the Greek context there and how beautiful that verse is in the life of a believer, that Jesus loved his own to the end. The Greek word there, the Greek root for that word to the end is where we get that great word, it is finished, when Jesus cried that out on the cross, meaning that Jesus loves us to the end of the process of maturity in our life. He sees it through to the end. Jesus does not throw in the towel when people make mistakes or when there is a uh, bump in the road or in any situation. Jesus is there to the end in a person's life to resolve and to bring to completion that plan that the Father has for that disciple. And so we love that, don't we? Jesus does not forsake us, and we will, before we draw our last breath, we will see the faithful hand of God in his love towards us. His love is in it to the end. Number two, Jesus was fully aware of his position as a as a leader, in verse 14, he understood who he was. He was not insecure. He was not questioning his his position, but he was aware. And before his disciples experienced him as their servants, they had to they had already experienced him many times before as his as his master, and as a strong and extremely powerful and loving leader. Number three, Jesus voluntarily becomes a servant to his follow, to his disciples in verses 5 through 12. He did not come primarily as their foot washer, 
but he was ready to do this service for his disciples when needed. And so this is an important point that we want to um, make um, regarding servant, uh, servant leadership, that Jesus came into this world as the servant of God in Isaiah 42, 1 and 52, 13, Acts 3.26 and Acts 4.27. He also came to serve men, but Jesus did not come to be our servant, whereas he came out of obedience to God to be really God's servant. God's servant is really the way we look at the life of Christ, and that's really the way we look at a pastor as a servant really to God first. So a servant leader is not first a servant of the people, but really a servant of God to people. We can see this in Acts chapter 6, verse 4. I think that it could be misunderstood that a servant leader is really responsible for uh, a lot of the menial or small tasks that could come up in a church but rather, those kind of things could actually become a very di- big distraction for a pastor when he should delegate certain things out because he is first a servant to God, to the Word of God, so that he can be prepared to minister to God's people. And so I just want to take a minute and um, take a look at just some of the things that pastors can struggle with. But first of all, before I do that, I was driving down here from Philly this morning and just thinking about this subject of how there is such a great need today for pastors. Um, I read a statistic um, <clears throat> earlier that that 1,500 pastors a year, and this is according to the New York Times uh, in an article a couple years ago, 1,500 pastors a year leave the ministry for various reasons. Uh, think of that, 1,500 pastors a year, that's just those that are noted. There could be actually more. There's a great need for pastors today because people need to be shepherded with the heart of God. We see that there's a great attack today against pastors. There's warfare against pastors. Who did who did uh, Satan primarily attack among the disciples? Peter. Why? Because Peter was most influential and God had a plan for Peter down the road. And so we need to understand that, number one, there's such a great need spiritually for pastors today. Pastors that can preach, teach, love, pray, that can go to God as a priest for people and then go to people as an ambassador for God. There's such a great need for pastors. Uh, today, there is such a great need, and there are, there are churches that we know of in the Philly area that don't have pastors today, that have congregations that have, in some cases, for long periods of time, looked for a pastor. A pastor that loves God, that loves the Word, that loves His calling, and that walks in the grace and the fear of the Lord. And so we have to understand that being a pastor is such a great honor and such a great privilege these days. It's such a great need. And that's what we see in Matthew chapter in chapter 9 when Jesus said, when he looked out into the multitudes, notice what he says there, that he saw the people as sheep without a shepherd. And then what does the next verses say? It says, Jesus said, pray to the Father. He's telling his disciples, Jesus Christ is telling his disciples 
to pray to the Father that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. And I think that that's a prayer that we want to pray today for, is that is for pastors, that God would raise up pastors in America that would be men of God, men of the book, men of grace, men of great heart, great love, but also great conviction that would be men that are not afraid to stand up for truth, but to go out and to evangelize, preach, teach, make visits, um, step out and sacrifice for the gospel's sake. There is such an awesome need for pastors today, and that's such the heart of God today, isn't it? And so we understand that there's a great attack on them as why we need to be in so much prayer for our leadership, for our pastors. I think if you have a pastor today that loves God, that is ministering the word to you, the whole counsel of God, I think you're one of the most fortunate people on the planet. Really, thank God that you have a pastor. Thank God that you're not a spiritual orphan uh, on your own trying to live without that godly uh, shepherdship of the heart of God. And so we understand that there's a great battle for pastors and that we need to pray for them. Pray for your pastor. And I think if we could be on our knees as as much or more uh, in prayer for pastors than criticizing them, then there could be so much more uh, done. Do you know the we don't need to say this but it's it's so obvious that the primary attack of the devil is to take out a pastor just take him out and then there's the flock without a shepherd there's miss, there's a covering that's missing and that just is to hurt the the flock the sheep and so we want to be praying today we want to be encouraging pastors and if you're a pastor today um it's good to it's good for you to have a mentor. Every pastor should have a pastor. <clears throat> Every pastor should have a spiritual father. Every pastor should have someone that they can call up and say, "Look, I'm in trouble. I need some help," and not be ashamed to do that. Because who is the stronger person? The person that is struggling with something and that never communicates it to a pastor that loves him, or the person that is struggling with something that is too proud to reach out for help and for uh, counsel. I think we would agree that the stronger, more effective person is a person that knows how to reach out to someone that has invested in them, that has mentored them in, in the faith and say, look, um, you need some help. And that's very good and that's very important. There's a interesting principle that we have seen that um, sometimes it could be that a young leader could be struggling with something in his personal life and because they may be in a ministry or in an environment that's not an environment of investment, finished work, love and grace, they may be um, they may not feel free they may not have the freedom to communicate this issue that they're struggling with uh, to someone that is investing in their life, a, a discipler or a mentor. And they grow up through the years, and they just are afraid to communicate. And what happens is, is that uh, when they get to a place of position or of um, responsibility, it could be that they are just taken out. 
that is so sad to see that because really there is no, there are no and the title of this um, program today I believe is pastors are not supermen. We really aren't. We are um, flesh and blood with a great calling on our lives, with great grace to meet us and great wisdom all around us. And that is really the great fact of of being a pastor, that that this is such a great honor. And there are things that people really struggle with. Um, and the five most common struggles, and this was a this was research done. Uh, you can find it on churchleaders.com and other places. There's a lot of different studies that have done been done for pastors that are struggling with things. And number one that seems to come up with most pastors is 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 criticism and conflict. This is a growing issue. Some people say it seems to be um, something that pastors are are experiencing at greater challenges. Uh, criticism and conflict. Now, that is going to be part of the calling, and a part a pastor that is that has been called by God and great men of God that have been used by God in the past. You can see a a tidal wave of just opinions and criticism that follows them. And that some that can be and that most likely will be part of a pastor's calling where not everyone agrees with with his stand for truth. And so this is a struggle that a pastor faces and, and due to time we don't have time to address each one of these things, but how do we deal with criticism? Well uh I believe it was Spurgeon said that every one of us it's very healthy for us to have a critic in our life, someone that is um poking a little bit, pushing a little bit, and uh, questioning, not out of spite, but it is good that we, are, that we as a pastor, have someone that um, can, can ask tough questions and that could actually uh, make us think about, about things. Criticism uh, does not need to be uh, viewed as something that is negative because, and it could be from, uh, from, from negative people, but the question to be asked is is when we get feedback from someone, is what they are saying correct, and then I need to take that and deal with that with God. Can we do things better? Uh, does someone have an idea that that um is a great idea in the body, and so pastors, we cannot be insecure, we need to be very secure in the love of God and who we are in Christ. Paul had this great security when he said that. We see this in Galatians chapter 1, I believe it's verse 16, that when he was called, he, would, he did not confer with flesh and blood. Paul had a great sense of his calling and had great security in that. And so when he was criticized by people, as we, as we see in the epistles, uh, that was not the end of him. And he did not lash out in, in insecurity and reaction. Uh, secondly, the second great struggle that many pastors and young pastors face is, face is family issues, family problems. Many pastors are struggling with expectations, not only by family, but by church members. And they are looking at the pastor's family. Uh, others, Other pastors are struggling finding time for their families. And so we need to find that um, that delicate balance that between family and ministry. Because, uh, and different pastors have different um, levels of need for 
investing in their family. What I mean by that is is that some family situations are um, uh, are more uh, conducive to uh, freedom for the pastor or the minister, and other families require more attention. Third thing is is stress, and this is funny because uh, stress can can happen. Uh, there can be high pressure situations, but the pastor, we need to learn. We learn how to receive grace, neutralize stress, and just uh, have fun and joy in what we're doing because uh, this is really one of the most amazing jobs ever. So uh, I think I'll just stop there, and we can continue a little bit later with some of these thoughts. Yeah, we would because we want to hear the, the other two uh, as you outline these five more common struggles uh, among pastors. Because I think as we're speaking about leadership, and of course not everyone listening to us is a leader or is a pastor, but... It's good for them to know these things as well, because maybe they can make a contribution from their perspective about how to cut down on the kind of stress that the pastor is dealing with. Uh, Maybe think twice before they bring forth the criticism. Uh, Maybe they could preface the criticism with some gratitude. (laughs) And, you know, there's a lot that, you know, the people in the local assembly could contribute to helping some of these areas that most pastors struggle with. But you are listening to the Grace Hour, friends. We have several minutes left in our on-air portion of the broadcast, so if you'd like to join us, take the opportunity. We're going to wait until we switch over to our online portion of the broadcast today before Chris, Pastor Chris Moore uh, finishes up those five most common struggles because now you've piqued my attention. I want to hear what the last two are, and then we will continue our discussion there. But if you would like to weigh in right now, take the opportunity. The local number for our listeners in Baltimore, 410-483-3700. And, of course, the toll-free number, 800-338-7060. Email us anytime during the broadcast. Address us at questions at gracehour.org. Well, you've shared a lot today, Pastor Chris, and there's some great, great principles that we can talk about. But let's go back to the beginning, and uh, let's clarify for our listeners this whole idea of servant leaders in the body of Christ. Um, I'm thinking in particular of the passage from 1 Peter chapter 5, and there Peter writes, uh, the elders or the leaders who are among you I exhort, who am also a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. And then he says, shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving, serving as overseers, not by constraint or out of compulsion, but willingly not for dishonest gain, but eagerly with the right motives, not as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Some valuable principles uh, that Peter imparts in relationship to leadership in the church today. Yes, yes, we see that... um Paul, every time he began one of his epistles, or most of the time, he would always refer himself first as a servant. Paul, a servant. Uh, there were times when he needed to um, defend his apostleship, of course, but uh, his primary um, introduction of himself was Paul, a servant. I think Paul also had a very deep sense of his past, what God had saved him from. And he remember he was a murderer of Christians, 
he was a, I mean we we forget this but if you read the the initial uh, biography of the way Paul lived before he was ordained by God uh, as a an apostle this man was a murderer I, I mean and everybody knew, <laughs> everybody knew that that was unbelievable that that's just amazing to see that and then here God gives him charge in a ministry over aspects of his church. That is a very humbling, fearful thing I think that Paul might have just have thought of very often. And, um, you know, one sub-point here, Pastor Love, that, that we can make about family issues is that, you know, among family problems, you know, of course, there is our marital problems, and then there are personal problems that a pastor might be experiencing in his personal life. And those are struggles. And there are statistics out there that sober us to the level of struggles that pastors and leaders are are dealing with. So all the more, our ministry as, and I think about this in Ukraine, our pastors there, that to, for, to be on our knees for these men, to be praying for them, and to be in contact with them, and to communicate with them, and to lead and to love. The other two, um, the other the other two that we were uh, that churchleaders.com and, and others have brought out um, is depression. And this is this is interesting because uh, there are a large percentage, and I have a percentage here somewhere of, of uh, pastors that struggle with depression. Depression become because of um, loneliness, because uh, they don't have the support again, of a body or they don't have the support of a mentor or peers that are around him that rally around him and say, we just had an awesome pastor's conference retreat a few weeks ago, and that was an awesome rally of encouragement where we sat down with, I believe it was 110 pastors there from Greater Grace, and we sat down and and we built each other up. We, we, we found out how to pray for each other, and we hit some very interesting subjects and so we really need to support our pastors Mm, amen well friends when you hear that music that means uh, we're coming to the conclusion of today's live on the air portion of the broadcast but we're not done we're going to switch over for the next half hour to our online portion of the broadcast that means you can still join us all you need to do is go to gracehour.org and you can continue to listen to the grace hour live online And you can continue to join us by dialing those telephone numbers, toll-free, 800-338-7060, and locally, 410-483-3700. So, uh, again, if you'd like to stay with us, please do. Just uh, switch over to the online portion of our broadcast. But for the rest, thank you for tuning in and listening to us on this edition of the Grace Hour. We're going to be back tomorrow at the same time, and we will continue to discuss this critical theme, this important theme of the servant leaders in our local churches, the pastors, the teachers, the elders, the leaders, uh, and uh, maybe we could just close with that thought. Let's keep them in prayer. Let's cover them, pray for them, pray for them, and uh, again, just uh, love them up. Join us tomorrow at the same time. Okay, friends, we're back. uh, The online portion of our broadcast, we have concluded the 
uh, first half hour of today's program. And that, of course, was live on WRBS, among other stations that carry us in their local area. And we appreciate them uh, tuning in and joining us. And I hope many of you that were listening to the first half hour have made your way to our website, gracehour.org. And you can now join us. And if you'd like, you can participate. And we hope many of you will. Pick up the phone, dial one of those numbers, 800-338-7060, outside of Baltimore, in the United States, and in Canada and locally right here in the greater Baltimore area, 410-483-3700. And, uh, Pastor Chris, you left off with that last of uh, those five common struggles, the fourth one, which is depression among pastors. I'm sure that a lot of our listeners hearing that are shocked to think that pastors experience depression. Well, we see that with Jeremiah, don't we? We see Jeremiah had just an extremely difficult ministry. Um and uh, he pre- his calling was to preach the judgment of god, the judgment of god and also in many cases we see the mercy and grace of god shining through in his preaching but there were times when jeremiah wanted to throw in the towel as a pastor he just wanted to throw in and he said he said i will no, i will no longer speak in his name and i will no longer make mention of him and we see within the same verse that the word of god that is inside of him quickens him uh, and this is this is where we can look at really the the solution to this is that when we are a pastor and i i'm I'm young I'm a young pastor i'm st- I still got a lot to learn I'm not speaking here from from any aspect of you know professional uh, uh acquisition here of the of being a pastor I'm still learning but whenever we get discouraged or we feel that we are depressed, we need to allow the word of God to quicken us. Our relationship to the Bible as a pastor is really our lifeline. A pastor that loses a relationship with the Bible is a pastor that has basically turned off his air supply, and it's going to be event- It's going to just be inevitable. Uh, just a he's going to faint, and that really brings us to the last point, um, where uh, we see that there is this um, phenomenon that that happens with many pastors, and that is burnout. They burn out, and that's sad to see when you see a pastor just say, well, I used to be a pastor, but these things happened to me, and I'm now I'm a car salesman or something like that. And, and that you know, if that's God's will, then great, but I feel that if a man has been called to be a preacher of the gospel and to pastor people, then I like what Paul said here, and this is how Paul dealt with it in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 1. He said, therefore, seeing we have this ministry— now, what's the ministry? Well, the, the previous chapter is speaking about the, the open gaze that we have to God and the spirit of liberty and the spirit of power and and the, the glorious new covenant. And seeing, therefore, we have this ministry, the ministry not that we are ministering or serving, but the ministry that is being ministered unto us as a pastor. And I think that learning how to let God minister to you as a pastor Seeing we have this ministry, the second part of the verse says, "As we have received mercy, we faint not." And here is the, here is the, the secret that we have all been taught over the years of how not to faint: receive mercy. Just receive mercy in your life. Just be receive the ministry of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God towards you as a pastor. Uh, there are times we think we hear of great men of God. We I know of one situation where. Billy Graham went away uh, for a few days, and it was just him and the Lord. And he just got on his knees and just did business with God. 
God ministered to him. Uh, times when a pastor needs to get alone and receive from God and understand that uh, as we receive mercy, we are not fainting. And so there's a lot more that we could say that we could say about those things. But uh, it's it's always heartbreaking, I think, for all of us to see the demise of of a man of God, and that just is such a, a heartbreaking thing. And we it just challenges us to be so much more um, challenges me to be so much more on the ball with ministering and having a ministry to and praying for our pastors and loving and encouraging them and. And the pastor's wife, too. You know, pastor's wives, I mean, they struggle with loneliness. Uh, a percentage out there, high percentage, and I, again, I, I'm i not sure. I don't have it right in front of me, but many pastor's wives struggle with loneliness because, and they say they don't have a lot of friends. So I think it's very good that we as pastors with our families just enjoy God, enjoy the ministry, uh, have a, a group that's around us that supports us in love and prayer and accountability. You know, you mentioned earlier in the first half hour of today's broadcast, 1,500 pastors per year leaving the ministry. Um, you know, it's shocking to think that. And would you say that among those 1,500 pastors, and these are the statistics that you shared with us today, is it because of those most common struggles, criticism, conflict, family issues, stress, depression, burnout? Is that why so many are leaving the ministry? Well, the exact quote here that I'm reading from New York Times was 1,500 pastors leave their ministries each, I'm sorry, each month due to burnout, conflict, or moral failure. This is the New York Times. Now, now that's one of the five things that you did not mention among pastors is, is moral failure. Right. And we hear a lot about that. And, of course, when that comes out publicly and people hear about it, it makes it makes the watching world shake their head and say, well, you see, that's why I don't go to church. Mm. You know, that's why I don't have anything to do with religion, because there's just so many hypocrites from the top all the way down. And, and that can really have an impact upon the watching world as well. It sure can. It sure can. And we know that James 3 verse 1 tells us that that the pastor, the teacher, he really has a higher level of judgment. He is the greater. He has a great responsibility. You know, driving down here today, just thinking, two greatest currencies in the universe today. First one is the blood of Jesus Christ, which is an eternal currency, which cannot be surpassed by anything else. But secondly, trust. Trust is the greatest currency that we have in the world today. Because without trust, people, a bit. Well, on the business level, it can actually destroy a business. And so um, when things like that happen, uh, you know, what's amazing about the Bible, Pastor Love, is is that if I was to write a religious book like the Bible, I would probably not have such an honest description of what's happening in people's lives. I would have, in, in, in my version of the Bible, would be men that were perfect, ideal, they never failed, they never, they never doubted God, they always were amazing people. And, and how God used them. But God takes the risk of calling people, putting them in places, and that's just an, that's, that's mind-boggling, that God would call somebody. And then, like, you know, David, King David, you know, you look at his life, and it's the life of King David is significant because it takes, I believe that there's no other biography in the Old Testament that is as long and detailed than the life of David. God is trying to tell us something through the life of David in the Old Testament with a man who was after God's own heart, who 
pursued mercy and who grace and mercy pursued him a lot to learn from the life of david there and how god disciplined him how god was with him and how god blessed him mm. and of course we read in first corinthians chapter 10 verse 6 uh, these things are written and they have become our examples to the intent that we should not in some cases lust after evil things as they also lusted do not become idolaters as were some of them and on and on let us not commit sexual immorality in verse 8 as some of them did and let us not put God to the test as some of them did so again the all of what's written in the Old Testament is for our admonition uh, again you know it, it examples illustrations warning signs even because and, and this is something that we should bring up in this discussion Yes, we read about David, you know, committing this terrible sin uh, and committing adultery with another man's wife. But we also don't read that that's the end of David's story, which is rather fascinating because we know uh, after some time he did repent of that sin. Were there consequences that were brought into his life? Absolutely. Uh, Did he live with those consequences until the end of his life? Yes, Yes, he did. So things dramatically changed. But God still used him. I mean, and that's also very fascinating as well. Yes. Because I think um, sometimes we, you know, we, we want to believe that pastors, leaders, teachers, uh, those that occupy positions of leadership in the church, well, whether it's our fault or not, we do sometimes think they're perfect. Mm-hmm. They're sinless. They're beyond failure. They don't have feet of clay. But that's not the case, is it? No, it's not, and I think it's healthy when a body member or another brother in the Lord can approach a pastor and confront him and and challenge him based on truth. And there's a there's a whole process to that we read in Matthew 18. But and that's very healthy because uh, Jesus was not on a pedestal in the sense as a he as a leader. He was approachable, and that's the wisdom from God. Wisdom that is untreatable and. I think you mentioned David, but David had to suffer consequences that happened on on a on a civil and family level because of the publicity of his of his mistake or his sin with his sin with Bathsheba. And so but was that the end of the grace of God in his life? Did God continue to use David? Do we see that at the at the uh at the conclusion of the matter, do we see that the book ends there? No, we see that life continues for David. We see the promises of God. David continues as being uh, being used by God in 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 that measure that he was being used. So it is. It's it's fascinating, and I think that um, those that occupy positions of leadership, you know, if they're even you know, entertaining any thoughts that could disqualify them for the work of the ministry, they have to think about the impact that those decisions will have on their families, on the watching world, giving an occasion to the enemies of God to blaspheme his holy name, uh, the church members, people that have trusted them. Because all of that trust, and that's one of those currencies that you talked about together with the blood of Jesus, all of that trust takes years and years to establish mm-hmm. and to build, and it could be forfeited overnight. Yeah, And that's shocking to think that it could, but all too often that is yeah. the case. And I think wisdom wisdom sees the end of decisions. Like if, a, if someone is faced with temptation or opportunity, which is inevitable in every person's life, they, wisdom will tell them what is the consequence of this. And we read that in the book of Proverbs. In many cases where wisdom says, 
do not do this. I beg you, do not do this. I plead with you, do not do this, because um, in the case of in Proverbs chapter 6 and other places where you're, uh, you'll be pierced through with an arrow speaking about adultery. And the the again, we we look at this. I mean, Paul himself in Romans 7 struggled with things. We don't know exactly what that was, but he struggled with things. And his way out was in the end of chapter 7, but I thank God through Jesus Christ. And then he goes to chapter 8, verse 1, there is therefore now condemnation. Paul was set free from the power of his old sin nature and from the warfare that was against him as a as an apostle by understanding his position in Christ. And uh, some sober things here that we're thinking about. And um, it's really the mercy of God, isn't it, that mm. that that keeps us where we're at. Yeah, and, and I think you mentioned it earlier in your comments, but this, this important, the importance of building uh, an, a system of accountability yes. into our lives. Right. In other words, let's not become the kinds of pastors, teachers, leaders, elders that lack accountability, but let's on purpose have it brought into our lives so that we too are made accountable just like people in our congregation they make themselves accountable to the leadership of the church well then the leadership of the church must also now make themselves accountable to other leaders they may not be in their church they may be outside of their church but this whole idea of establishing accountability is so important because without it uh things can get you can get real loose in your thinking right Right, and and you, can't, was, you can't afford to let that happen. That was that was Lucifer's problem. He had no accountability, and he was lifted up uh, in his pride and and fell. And so, accountability is something that is a great blessing in our life. It just it keeps us safe, and it keeps us. This is accountability that we welcome in our life because of love. People love us, right? People see us, they love us, and they are excited about God's plan in our life. That. God wants to bring to fruition in the kingdom of God, spreading the gospel. And it's accountability is really being safe in the flock. Remember when Samuel said to Saul, he said, when you were small in your own eyes, you were great. You know, and that understanding that, you know, Samuel for David and Nathan for David were two great men of God that kept David accountable. Wow, that's amazing. You know, you brought up the uh, one of the more common struggles among pastors is one the one is stress. And just think about it, you know, the pastor is in a position and everybody comes to him and they want to speak with him and they want to talk to him and he, they share their problems and their struggles with him. And he listens almost on a daily basis, sometimes to the extent that it becomes overwhelming. And then he asks himself this question. All day long, all week long, I listen to people's struggles and problems and challenges and difficulties and I've got some of my own. But who does the pastor have to talk to after everybody has spoken to him and shared their burdens with him? But where does he go? And I think you mentioned it earlier. Sometimes the pastor's got to get away. He's got to carve out time. And I don't mean he has to get on a plane and, and fly to another part of the country, another part of the world. It may mean just taking a day or two, getting quiet before God, reminds me of what David had to do in Ziklag in 1 Samuel chapter 30 when 
he and his men returned from battle and found that their, the town that they were dwelling in, their wives, all their children taken captives by the Amalekites, and it was just a, a nightmare. And, and the men with David wept, and they thought, you know, why is this happening? Well, it's David's fault. They turned on him, yeah. and they wanted to stone him. And you would think that David is, you know, he, you know he's try, trying to get a, find a way out of Dodge, but that's not the case. What he's doing is that he's building himself up yeah. in the most holy faith. He is, and he, and he had to do that. There was nobody else that was there to do that for him. David began to build himself up, and then he began to inquire of the Lord. He called for the ephod. He began to pray. Mm. He asked God, shall we pursue these yes. enemies? Will we overtake them? He mm. got a very clear answer. But maybe all of that dramatically, maybe there's a totally and completely different outcome to that account in 1 Samuel chapter 30 if David doesn't build himself up in that's his a faith. Great, that's a great point, Pastor Love. Isn't, you know, when we talk to people about struggles that they're facing and, and pastors that struggle with things, 99% of the time it's because we're not built up. We are not encouraged in the Lord. When we build ourselves up before we face a very difficult conversation, when we build ourselves up before we face a very uh, explosive um, relationship issue with someone in the church, when we build ourselves up, building ourselves up in Acts 20, verse 32, comes from a word of grace, a word of grace that says that God is going to work and has worked in our lives way beyond anything that we could ever have qualified and deserved. And that's we just got to build ourselves up, uh, have a system of encouraging yourself in the Lord, uh, you know, I was thinking what you said when a pastor is, you know, it could be that a pastor is very critical of himself and he could say, well, I'm not doing a good job. And it could be that that he takes upon himself um, so much that he feels that this is he he does not understand that this is the Lord's ministry. And he could become uh, very burdened with a burden that only Jesus Christ could bear, the chief shepherd. And there are times, of course, in the ministry where we just say, you know what, I cannot, <laughs> I cannot bear this situation or this problem. I've got to roll it on to the Lord who's going to give me wisdom and uh, go home and just have ice cream with your wife and just have a great time. You know, just not to sublimate. I don't mean sublimate, sublimation, but I'm just saying that, that, like you said, having a time where we get away with God or with the family and... and um, because if not, then then uh, burnout we will. Because what is burnout? It's trying to do the the will of God in the energy of the flesh. Yes, yeah. it always ends the same. Yeah, because I mean, as far as the uh, the workload, if we can say that word in the in the pastorate in the ministry, that's always going to be there. That's always going to be there. There's never going to be enough time. But it really comes down to becoming a little bit of a a juggling act. You have to be able to discipline yourself and say, well, I'm going to, this is the time I'm going to give to my family. This is the time I'm going to commit to my marriage. This is the time I'm going to commit to listening to people, mm -hmm. counseling people. I mean, you really have to do that because if you don't, as you said, uh, you can burn out. And, and that's a shame when you see that happening because again, the needs of people will never decrease. They will probably only always and forever be on the increase. So that part's not going to change. What we have to learn to do, as you said, is to roll all of that care upon the Lord and not to bear the brunt of that burden by ourselves because no individual can do that. It's right. just too overwhelming. I think a pastor should 
um, you know, we are all, all of us are encouraged, especially at the retreat, to grow in all of our personal relate, like grow in our marriage. Okay, okay, maybe we're married 20 years, but can we grow in our marriage? Is there something that we could grow and just grow? Because when we stop growing in other areas of our life, then that's going to impact the ministry. Grow in your marriage, grow in your parenthood, with, grow in your friendships, uh, grow in your understanding of uh, the Word of God, growing in things like that. Because when we, when we stop growing, then that's when um, we really are a prime target. Mm, such a good point. Friends, you're listening live to the Grace Hour. We are live online. And again, you can join us at 800-338-7060. The phones have been very quiet today, which is fine, and, and providing, of course, that you're listening and, and enjoying the conversation. Um, but if you have something that you would like to share, a question, perhaps a comment that you'd like to make, please do so right away. Pick up that phone, dial 410-483-3700 or 800 800- Three three eight seven zero six zero. Pastor Moore, you mentioned it. Uh, James chapter three verse one. The how important it is that uh, pastors and when we ordain pastors here in the ministry of the Greater Grace World Outreach, it is done with. Um, well, you know, there's questionnaires that first have to be filled out. You have to be uh, somebody has to recommend you, uh, usually an overseeing pastor who you've been serving with, maybe just as a faithful member of the congregation. He recommends you for the possibility of ordination. And of course, mostly you sense the call of God upon your life. When that happens and then you are ordained, it comes with a charge. All of the pastors in our ordination ceremonies usually take place here during our international convention each month, uh, or rather in the month of June each year. And we, we, we give them a charge, and we try to convey the importance, the nature of the responsibility, the critical nature of what God has called them to, uh, understand all that's involved. Please know that you are accepting a tremendous position of responsibility that, well, the impact, you can't even begin to fathom it. It's like throwing a stone into the water. It's not the initial impact of that stone in the water. It's the ripple effect that the stone creates in the calmness of those waters. That's what it's like to function in the work of the ministry. You're touching so many lives. And we need our young men to know that when they enter into that calling, that's what's at stake. And you will find yourself, as you pointed out, standing before God someday, and there is a greater sense of judgment that will be applied to your life because you occupied a position of leadership. You were talking mostly while others were listening. And if you're not careful, the Greek term is there will be myzona karen, <laughs> which means a greater judgment. And there will be, won't there, for pastors that stand before mm-hmm. God someday. Yeah, and Paul lived with that great sense of the responsibility. Paul mentions it in his epistles. He talked about the great labor that he had for the people because he understood his, his, uh, his, the accountability of his calling. And Paul had that great sense, um, the, and that's a very healthy fear that we, that we should have. Yeah. yeah, I think in 1 Corinthians 9.27, he talked about the importance of running that race and in order to obtain the prize, 
and he talked about disciplining his body, bringing it into subjection, lest when he had preached to others, he would end up being disqualified. And we want to point out to our listeners, he's, his fear was that he would be disqualified from the ministry, not that he would lose his eternal salvation before God, which has been sometimes uh, in, in a very poor way taught by those who teach you can lose your salvation. That wasn't his fear. He wasn't fearful that he'd lose his salvation, but fearful that he might be a castaway or disqualified. Right. And right. that's, as you said, that's a pretty healthy fear for all people in leadership in the church they have. There, um, There's a list of 15 things that are red are red flags that um, pop up when we see signs of pride creeping in because pride is always always the threshold to failure and there are there is a, just a few of them number one when we're not learning from other leaders um, uh, when we don't learn from other people uh, who lead a smaller organization in a church than you do uh, when we don't listen to and learn from people that we lead. Uh, when we are defensive every time we are criticized or corrected, uh, when we don't have compassion on those who are suffering, hurting, or trapped in sin. And there's a there's a list here that uh, pride is something that we want to just be so uh, weary of because it always goes before fall. Mm, absolutely. Well, we have a caller, Elizabeth. Uh, we want to invite you into the conversation. Thanks for joining us. Go ahead. You're on the Grace Hour. Hi, this is Elizabeth Hogue slash Orsi. <laughs> Nobody knows me by my other name. Oh, great um, to have you with us. Yes. Um, I was listening to what you were saying, Pastor Chris Moore and Pastor Love, about growth. And I was thinking to myself, oftentimes when I wasn't growing and I wasn't letting the Lord lead me, that um, my growth was actually stunted. No, no pun on words intended, but it actually did feel like that. It felt like... I was in a prison. Things didn't change. Um, I wanted to things to just remain the same, get in that comfortable spot. But when I let the Lord lead me and just I follow the decisions that the Lord leads me in, I'm obedient to what he asks me to do, it seems like my, my life just took off. And uh, that's been happening a lot the last year. And uh, it's amazing. I was wondering if you could make comments on the growth, and I guess that also relates to pride, of course, coming in that prevents us from growing and puts us in our self-made prisons. Yes. Um, well, there are. Thank you for your your comment and your question. Um, there are walls that can be easily put up that would block growth in our life, and. If we are just in a place where we are receiving the word of grace in our life, two things are going to happen. We're going to grow in grace, and we're going to discover our inheritance. And number two, we're going to grow in faith, and that's uh, Romans 10 or 17. The, 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 all growth comes from an infusion of the word of God into our lives. And uh, the word of God can be, is delivered, can be delivered from the pulpit. It could also be something that is communicated to us on the individual level. Uh, and and I think it's um, well. We remember, I believe, is it um, Jeremiah 17, where Moab settled it on his knees and was not poured out from vessel to vessel, and his scent didn't change. And so, growth is something that 
uh, either we are growing or we are declining because there's no maintenance, there's no neutral grounds in our walk, but growing is, well, we want to grow too. We want to, I was just thinking about this also today, just personally growing in areas of our life that we don't accept certain things, but growing in grace, overcoming things, living in victory, uh, loving our victory and overcoming um, anything that tries to put down a believer can be attacked with the word of grace and a word of faith. It's funny because uh, what you just said uh, about your answer about growing in grace and just receiving, receiving from the Lord and letting him in and just uh, really attaching ourselves to the word of God and just making it our first love um, made me just think about how um, I, my prayer to the Lord last year was that I could get some, the Lord led me to this particular job working with mentally challenged people, and there was a lot of things happening that was spiritual warfare. I knew exactly what to do. I prayed down the halls on the job. I did everything decent and in order, but the Lord wanted me to stay a little longer, and my prayer to him was to get me out of there if it was his will, that I couldn't handle it anymore. And uh, one day it did happen, finally, and in the same day he provided another job with me within one hour. And it was amazing, completely different, but um, full-time caretaker now, and oh my gosh, I'm, I'm able to listen to the Word all the time, all Elizabeth, we have Elizabeth, we have to cut in at this point. I'm sorry, we're just about out of time, but thanks for calling and sharing with us today. Thank you. God bless you. Well, Pastor Chris Moore, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, some great thoughts. And uh, Yeah, I think that we could continue to talk about this, and I think we will in the next couple of days. So thanks for joining us on The Grace Hour. Thanks, Pastor Love. And friends, thank you for tuning in, both for the first half hour of the broadcast, the on-air portion, and for this, the online portion of The Grace Hour. Stay tuned for our next broadcast coming up tomorrow at the same time. Thanks for listening to The Grace Hour. Our live program airs weekdays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Grace Hour is a ministry of the Greater Grace Church. You are invited to visit Greater Grace at 6025 Moravia Park Drive, Baltimore, Maryland, 21206. For more information, go to gracehour.org or call 1-800-338-7060.